Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom warned of a more than $31 billion shortfall when he released his revised state spending plan last week. One sector that will feel the pinch of a tighter budget is child care. KQED's Daisy Wynn has more. Newsom wants to use federal funds to cover family fees for subsidized child care for another three months and give providers another round of stipends. However, the funding falls short of the $1 billion state lawmakers sought to better pay providers of subsidized child care. Even though it's a tight budget year, this is not an option. Max Arias is the chair of Child Care Providers United. The union represents some 40,000 small business owners who provide child care out of their homes and who haven't received a rate increase in seven years. It's like saying, well, I'm going to skimp on my rent this month, you know, because the budget's tight. That's not what we do because we end up without a home. If they skimp on providers, California will end up with basically no providers. Newsom did not address the rate issue when he revealed the latest budget Friday, but he acknowledged child care workers' role in supporting the economy. Child care is foundational in getting people back to work, particularly women, uh, but particularly uh, addressing the labor shortage that continues in the state and this country. Child care needs to be front and center in that debate and conversation. Newsom's office is bargaining with the union for a new contract. For the California Report, I'm Daisy Nguyen. And staying on the topic of child care, one in four licensed California child care centers have drinking water that exceeds the allowable limits of lead. This information was provided to the nonprofit Environmental Working Group by the State Department of Developmental Services. Susan Little is with the Environmental Working Group. These centers service children as young as six weeks old. And we know that there is no level of lead that is safe, especially for young children. And so the fact that these very young children, babies, infants, toddlers, are drinking this leaded water throughout the day is a huge concern. 
Little says one child care center in San Diego County had lead levels that rivaled those found in drinking water in Flint, Michigan. A law enacted in 2018 requires these facilities to test for lead in drinking water, but about half of the 14,000 licensed child care centers in the state have yet to submit results. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. In 2015, the Berryessa Snow Mountain region became a national monument. It spans hundreds of miles of rugged hillsides and canyons stretching from Napa to Mendocino counties. The monument status brought protections to the area's biologically diverse landscape. But one large swath of land nestled in the monument center was excluded from protection. Now, environmental groups and tribes are working to fix that. CAP Radio's Manolo Sakaida visited the area to learn more. I'm standing at the summit of a ridge known as Mullakoyuk. That means Condor Bridge in Petlin. On a clear day from this viewpoint, which is about 3,000 feet high, you can see hundreds of miles around. You can see the Sierras now because it's a little hazy. You can't see Shasta. But over here we have Snow Mountain and Goat Mountain. That's Sandra Schubert. She's the executive director of the conservation nonprofit Tuliomi. In the car ride up, she told me this area is known as a haven for biological diversity. Researchers and environmentalists like herself have long advocated for protections that would keep it safe. The unique geology and the terrain and the environment is one reason it's such a biodiversity critical spot, and that's why there's so many rare plants. She says plans for a wind turbine project in the area led to Malakluyuk getting excluded from the 2015 National Monument Declaration. But more recently, with those plans pushed to the side, environmental groups are hopeful it can gain that status soon. A bill moving through Congress would offer permanent protections for the area. Northern California Congressman John Garamendi is one of the legislators who introduced the bill in March. There are creatures and plants that are in that area that have found no place else in the uh, nation. And so we're going to expand uh, the uh, Berryessa Snow Mountain National Monument to include this very unique part of California. Nick Jensen is a botanist who toured Malakoyuk with me. He's also the conservation director for the California Native Plant Society and a longtime advocate for the area. As we drove around, he told me this place is home to 7% of California's native flora and more than 30 rare plants. This is an area that our members and supporters have been visiting for like literally for decades and wanting to conserve. So my involvement was just, you know, carrying on that legacy. But the area isn't just a scientific marvel. It's also deeply important to tribes in the area, like the Ochidihi Wintu Nation, who changed the name of the ridge from Walker Ridge to Molokloyuk last year. 
Leland Kinter is the tribe's treasurer. He told me the area we now know as a national monument was, for him, one big, beautiful backyard. I remember riding in the back of pickup trucks going there, and at the time I didn't know what folks in the front were looking for, but they would be going to look for medicines and different plants and things. So some gathering in those areas before I knew where we were a lot of times on the dirt roads up there and in the valleys, you know. As a kid, he says his elders told him about the connections the Ochidihi had to the land. At one point in time, young men in his tribe would run along the ridges of Molokoyuk to deliver messages. Just sometimes you think, well, what a tremendous amount of shape you had to be in to deliver a message over the top of that ridge, you know, because they would run. They would run those ridges. The bill's fate will likely be decided in the fall. If it passes, the Ochidihi would take part in managing the area. Kinter says part of that management could include the reintroduction of condors, which once lived in the area and are culturally significant to the tribe. He also says he'd like to provide more information for visitors. I would like people to know that even though the landscape may look rough and hard, that there is a fragility to it. Sometimes they, it takes longer for these things to heal if they've been disturbed. And I think if people knew more about those things, that they would take more care. If people know more about the land they visit, he says they can still admire its beauty while also respecting it. For The California Report, I'm Manola Sakaita in Molokoyuk. And that is this edition of the California Report for Tuesday, May 16th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation. Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines the pursuit of good health. On the web at chcf.org lbca. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health, on the web at 11thHourRacing.org. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.